Hi everyone, uh, thank you for coming on again this evening to our study. We welcome you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome you into my study, but welcome you to this study. And again, as we've been asking just every time we're here or at the church, would you share again to your page? Would you share that others may come on, may hear the gospel? Tonight we're going to look at uh, the whosoever will. Maybe it'll help someone, maybe someone you're thinking about, maybe someone in your family or among your friends. So while you're, you're doing that, I just want to say that we appreciate you coming on and being so faithful to watch with us and to help us spread the word, to help us share the gospel. And you're very welcome this evening. So we're going to take a reading uh, from Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22. And we're going to look at quite a bit of scripture tonight. So if you would turn, and let's just let our eye run down to verse 12, please. Revelation 22 and verse 12. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, and they that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him come and take of the water of life freely. That's just by a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you again that we're the living to praise you. We thank you for our health and for our strength. Father, we thank you for your blessings to us. We thank you for your mercy, which is new and fresh every morning. And we would say, great is thy faithfulness. We thank you for your beloved Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you for his great sacrifice in Calvary's cross. We thank you, Father, for the precious blood of the Lamb. And we thank you, Lord, Lord, that those of us who have been under the fountain of blood by faith, those of us who have repented of our sins, Lord, Father, we thank you that we're washed and we're cleansed. We thank you that we're forgiven. And we thank you, Lord, that one day we'll be with you forever. Father, we pray that your word would go forth we pray that your word would go out. And Lord, we pray, Father, that not only would it be heard by those that are believers, but unbelievers would hear. Lord, that you'd prick the heart of many. And Lord, that you'd even save, restore backsliders, encourage, strengthen, edify, and build up your people. Instruct us and teach us in the way which we should go. Lord, we pray you'd guide us with your eye through the word of God tonight. Glorify your son and glorify his name. And help me with my inabilities and in my frailty to bring the precious word of truth. In Jesus' name I pray, and for his glory I ask it. Amen. Verse 17 is the main verse that we want to look at. And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let him that hear say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Now, we know, and we're going to look at, how we're calling people to come to Christ. But there's also another way to look at this that many people don't think of. In fact, a lot of commentators actually speak about it, but we don't hear a lot of people thinking about it or speaking on it either. It's uh, the Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come. And here it's not only speaking to the unsaved or those who have not come to Christ, but the idea is that we are calling on the Lord Jesus Christ to come. And that's another way many of the commentators think on it. For example, in our opening verse, in verse 12, And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. The Lord's saying, I'm coming quickly, and the Spirit and the bride are saying, then come. Then at the very end of the chapter, we didn't read it, but it's in verse 20, He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so come Lord Jesus. 
That's the last prayer in the Bible. The Lord Jesus says again, Surely I come quickly. Amen. So be it. That's it true. And John then is saying, Even so then, come, Lord Jesus. And so this, Behold, come, the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. The idea of this is, is praying for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now when we think about that, let's just go down this route for a moment. When we think about that first and foremost, the most glorious thing for the believer is going to be the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We think of this whole coronavirus at the minute and COVID-19 and all these things that we're doing and, uh, and staying at home and, and all of those things we must do at this time. But we, we can sense and we can feel the fear of the hearts of men and women. Uh, they're, they're apocalyptic. You know, people are saying these are biblical proportions and, and really before and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. These things are, are going to be coming. These things are the, the very nations that are, are gathering together for war. And all of these things are spoken of in God's word. They've always been gathering, but it will be climactic. And it will gather together. Just last week, there were seven Russian warships that were off the, the north uh, eastern coast of Britain. And the Royal Navy, the RAF, had to be scrambled and sent out to, uh, in a deployment to, to, to hinder them. And wonder what the evil thought is that they were thinking. And the, there's things like that happening all the time. But at the same time, these things will gather momentum. These things are going to get worse. And so that's why we should be praying. Even so come Lord Jesus. But here's the thing. I have loved ones who aren't saved. I'm sure you have loved ones that aren't saved. And we want to see our loved ones saved. We want to see them brought into the kingdom. We want to see them uh, gloriously won for Christ. We want to see them come and be forgiven of their sin. And so we do cry to them. If you hear his word, come to Christ. Because they have to come to the Lord Jesus Christ while they're here on earth. That is before they pass away. They have to come to the Lord Jesus Christ on earth before the Lord Jesus Christ comes to earth. And so we, we, we look at these things and we see these things, we can sense these things and we're crying, even so come Lord Jesus. I want them to come. I love them to come right now. I love them to come right now. But there's family I also want to see saved. Paul says that even in himself that he was, as it were, betwixt two things, you know, to be with Christ, which is far better, and yet to be with the churches. To be with the people for the gospel and the spreading forth of the word. For the teaching and the ministry of the church. And here we find now that, uh, that John is, uh, has got us here where the Lord says, Behold I come quickly, in verse 12, and my reward is with me. We're going to look at that a little later on. And then of course there is the spirit and the bride say come, in verse 17. And let him that heareth say come, and let him that is a thirst come. And so then, by the time we get down to verse 20, He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. And the prayer is, even so come, Lord Jesus. So the invitation to the unsaved, the invitation to the unregenerate, those who have not been quickened by the Spirit yet, those who haven't been saved and haven't been to the cross, the invitation here is given to the whosoever will. There's two whosoever's in our reading. First one is in verse 15. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters. Notice, and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. Now that's not just someone saying something as an untruth. or That doesn't even mean someone who, who is exaggerating because an exaggeration isn't the truth. For all of us have lies in our mouth. It gives the idea who is purposefully deceiving, purposefully, continually making lies. But before that, it's linked with the dogs, the sorcerers, the whoremongers, the murderers, the idolaters. It's linked with all of that because it's religious lying. People are leading people away to a devil's hell. They're bringing them to the lake of fire, as it were. People are leading them away in this age, in this day, at this time. And they're telling them by church or by religion or by ritual or whatever it may be that they can be saved that it's Christ plus something else or Christ plus good works or maybe by their own deeds and, and all of these things are, are lies and the idea of it is more than just someone telling a lie here we find that in, in, in verse 
15 we have on whosoever. There's a whosoever. And they're outside. They're outside. Then when we get to verse 17. And at the end of verse 17. And whosoever will. Let him take of the water of life freely. Notice. Whosoever will. This reverts back to verse 1 of our chapter. And listen to what it says. And he showed me a pure river of water of life. Clear as crystal. Proceeding out of the throne of God and off the Lamb. There's the, the water of life. There's the tree of life. And of course here we find there's everlasting life. Everlasting life for the whosoever will. That has come to Christ. The whosoever will give their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. So in verse 17, first of all, if you can hear this. Notice if you can hear this, it says, And let him that heareth say, Come. Again, it's the call. If you're hearing the word, cry for the call, coming of Christ. But here, it is also, if you hear the word of God, come to Christ. Come by faith and be saved. And notice here what it says here. If you can hear, come. And when do you hear? Today. If you can hear today, come. If you hear right now, come. In other words, don't put this off. For example, in Hebrews 3, in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 7, in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 7, and in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 15, it all borrows from Psalm 95, verses 7 and 8. So listen to Psalm 95, verses 7 and 8. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture. Notice, the sheep of his hand. Today, if ye hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the provocation, as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. And uh, those three places which I told you in the book of Hebrews, they reiterate it three times. Looking back to Psalm 95, verses 7 and 8. Notice, he's our God. We're his people, the sheep of his pastor, of his hand. So today... If you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Listen to what Job says about the voice of God in Job chapter 37 and verse 2. Hear attentively to the noise of his voice, the sound that goeth out of his mouth. And God is speaking all the time. He speaks in the sun and the moon at night. He speaks at the uh, during the with the stars that are shining and the, all the, 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 the solar systems and the universe. And he speaks through his glory and his power there. And people, it says he uttereth his speech night by night and day by day. The psalmist says, and all of these things talk of the glory of God, yet we all take it for granted. And men who say they don't believe think all of this came. So nothing made a big bang and created everything. And so God is saying, I made this. I'm speaking day and night. Next time you see the sun, next time you see the moon, next time you see the stars, you can say, there's a God who's with me, sees me, and is speaking to me. He speaks in his creation. He speaks through his word and by his spirit. And notice, hear attentively to the noise of his voice, the sound that goeth forth from his mouth. God speaks Maybe someone comes along and tells you something about the Lord. Maybe someone comes along and speaks to your heart. Spoken, speaking to someone just last year and they were praying for a loved one who was in another country. And they were saying that uh, uh, during their prayer times they, they, they were wondering, Lord, do you hear my prayer to reach this loved one? And the loved one was walking up a beach and seen a wee woman away down at the, on the beach and she was writing something on the sand. And this uh, loved one uh, it caught his attention and he thought I'll go over by the time he walked down the, the wee lady was away and so he walks over and I can't remember the exact words but the woman had inscribed on the sand he was wondering if there was a God Jesus loves you something along to those lines and that spoke because here's this person wondering is there is God real? Is God still? Does God know me? Does God hear me? Does God see where I am? And here's God sends a woman with a message. He speaks. He speaks. And so here Job says, you should listen attentively 
to what he's saying. And sometimes God's voice speaks in love. Sometimes God speaks as to our nation in anger and wrath. Warning, telling us to turn from our wicked ways. And personally too. So notice in Psalm 95, 7 and 8, we are the sheep of his hand. In John 10 and verse 27, the Lord Jesus Christ said, My sheep hear my voice. And I know them and they follow me. So the Lord Jesus has sheep. He says the sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. In Revelation chapter 22 verse 17. And let him that heareth say come. And let him that heareth say come. Also in verse 17. And let him that is a thirst come. The idea here for a thirst or that is thirsty is the word dipsao. And it means more just to be thirsty. It means to suffer from thirst. To have a real deep thirst. To suffer from thirst. Psalm 42 and verses 1 and 2 gives us a beautiful example of the saint, of the child of God who's suffering from thirst. Psalm 42 verse 1, as the heart or the deer panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God, not for an idol God, not for a God of self, our own making, but for the living God. It's no good saying that we, we have a God of an idol. And they have hands and they can't help and feet and they can't walk and ears they can't hear and mouths they can't speak and eyes they can't see. It's no good coming then to an idol and praying at that because behind it can be nothing more than a, a demon-possessed idol. What we have is faith in the living God found in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. Found in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. Died for us and shed his precious blood for us. And notice here, as the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsts for God. Believer, when's the last time your soul thirsted for God? I mean, to the place and the point where you got to a place where if God, if I don't find that place to drink with him, I think I'll die with a thirsty soul. You see, the heart or the deer, it's the H-A-R-T. The heart or the deer here, it gives the idea of the stag. The stag, he smells the air and he smells the river, he smells the brook and he races till he finds it because his desire, his heart's desire, his will, his need, everything in him is crying out for that drink. You can be hungry and you can do without food for quite some time, but thirst is different. Thirsting for the Spirit. Thirsting for more of the Holy Ghost in your life. When's the last time you thirsted for the presence of God? You thirsted for the living God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When, he says, shall I come and appear before God? Notice, when shall I come and appear before God? Made me think, made me think of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. And listen to what the Apostle says. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. I'm going to say it again. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat is not to be mistaken with the great white throne judgment of the unbeliever. Of those who are outside the kingdom. Mustn't be mistaken there with that. If you're a believer and you're under the blood. And you're one of God's own. You'll not be at Revelation 20 where that great white throne judgment is. You'll not be part of it. It'll have no claim on you. No hold on you. No jurisdiction over you. It'll have no license to call you. No, no. This is the Bema seat. The judgment seat is the Bema seat where rewards were given. So remember in our verse 12 of our, of our reading, Revelation 22 verse 12, the Lord says, And behold, I come quickly, 
and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Now notice here, it's not working for salvation here because this is the saved. This is his own. The work here is working because we're saved. The work here is the working in the kingdom, the laboring of the gospel, the working for Christ. It's working out of love, but all of those things, it's the working for the kingdom of God. And so if you notice here, it is that we're not working. It isn't that we're working for salvation, but it is that we are working for the kingdom. It's laboring for Christ. And you know, Paul also tells us that our works will be tried. Works will be tried and some will be burnt up that were not for Christ. Works will be tried up like wood, hay and stubble that would uh, combust and, and go on fire. And so whenever uh, some of the works are, are, are tried, there will be those who offer works to God. No good to God. Like Cain's offering. He worked in the field. He sweated with his brow. He labored. He travailed. And he says, here is my works. And God, he rejected his works. So you can't be saved by works, but you can work after you're saved. And there's wood, hen, stubble. And then there's gold, silver, and precious stones. In other words, what it means is there's going to be that which is acceptable. There's that which is reward or worthy in the kingdom. But notice here. So the Lord says, I come quickly and my reward is with me. And here in 2 Corinthians 5 and 10, it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ or the bema seat of Christ uh, to receive our awards. We must we must. Christian, there's going to be a day when we will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, as our Savior. Yes, as our Lord. Yes, as our Master. Yes, as the lover of our souls. Yes, as our friend and our brother and our kinsman. All of those things are yes, 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 and amen, and yes again. But we will stand before him to see what we have done for him. Christ the King and his kingdom. So we think of we must all stand before this judgment seat. It gives the idea of the games. For example, in the Olympics, we have gold, silver and bronze and they receive their medals. It's something like that, only it's in the ancient games. And Paul takes this to say, run this race. Labor and work for Christ. Work in the kingdom while it's day, while you can. Who would have thought that we were all sitting at home and Churches and people gathering together was no longer allowed, no longer possible at this point in time. Who would have thought a few weeks ago that this would have been possible to happen in our land? Just like that, it's taken away. We pray that the Lord will reinstate that. We take it for granted. Who would have thought that that would have happened? And yet, who would have thought that while it's day we must work and while it's night going to come a time when persecution may come even harder and greater. It's going to come a time when maybe we won't have the abilities that we have. We won't have the freedom. We won't have the, the civil and religious liberties that we have in our nation here. It's going to come a time when all of these things will happen. Notice, we must work while it's day, for we can't work while it's night, as it were. It's harder for us. We trip and stumble and fall in the dark. But here's some musts for us before we go any further. Here's one we all know. John chapter 3 and verse 3. The Lord Jesus said to a, a man of the, the Sanhedrin, the Jewish Sanhedrin, the Pharisees. He says, you must be born again. You must be born again. We must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. But if we are even going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ, you must be born again it's not you might have to be it's not an it's not a, a clause in this that you maybe don't have to be he said you must be born again john chapter 3 and verse 5 he says marvel not that i said unto thee you must be born again then he says in verse 7 marvel not pardon me that you must be born again verse 7 notice here's the must you must appear before the judgment seat of Christ but you must be born again here's another must for us John chapter 4 and verse 24 the Lord Jesus meets a woman at the well and he tells her 
her life story. She realizes that only Messiah, the Christ, can do this. And he says, I am he that talketh to thee. And this woman has had five husbands. She's with her man, number six. She meets the perfect man, number seven, in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he tells her all about her life. And then she says about worship, speaks about worship. And he's, he's up in, in, in Samaria. He must, he must needs go through Samaria. He's up in Samaria and they don't have any dealings with the Samaritans. And, and this woman says, uh, are you greater than our father Jacob who give us this well? And, uh, and she says, did you say you must worship in Jerusalem? And the Lord Jesus says, there's coming a time in which now is when you shall neither worship in this mountain nor at Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the temple was going to be destroyed. And all these idols, <laughs> there's no worship in these. There's no true worship in where they were worshipping. And listen to what he said in John 4 and verse 24. He said to her, God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship. Notice, must worship him in spirit and in truth. We must worship him in the spirit, not only in the, in the, the, the spirit of God, but in the spirit of our hearts. In the regenerate man, the regenerate woman, the quickened heart of man and woman, we must Worship him in the spirit. I can worship him here. I worship him as I'm speaking to you. My heart as I go through this refreshes and things in my mind that I've learned in my spirit. And I worship him when I'm bringing this to you. I worship him and I worshiped him in my spirit while I was writing these things down. I worship him when we're collectively together. I worship him when I'm driving my car. I sing unto him. I praise. I pray. I speak to him. We worship him. We are the ecclesia. We are that called out. And we can worship anywhere. So we must worship him in spirit and in truth. Not in religious ceremony. In the spirit. Here's another must. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. Peter's preaching and he says, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must worship be saved and Peter is saying here we must be saved if you want to be saved you must be saved you must come by the name of Jesus by the blood of Jesus through the sacrifice of Jesus believing in the Lord Jesus Christ neither is there salvation in any other nowhere else not only in the in the land uh, in the holy land no no other land and other country no other nation no, nowhere else in the world or this universe nowhere else is there salvation found but in Christ alone neither is there salvation in any other uh, uh, and one rendering says neither is there a second name there is no other name the name of Yahshua neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So notice this. The Lord Jesus in Revelation 22 and in verse 12 says, And behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Now, now, now let's pause there for a moment because we've read Second Corinthians 5 and 10 for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So we must be saved. We must be born again. And notice, born again means born from above. Born from above. And so we're told we must be born from above, born again. We can only be saved or born again through the name of Jesus. Now I want to look at this reward for a moment. In Hebrews chapter 11 and in verse 6. Hebrews 11 and verse 6. Notice what it says. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. That is to please God. For he that cometh to God, notice, must believe that he is. That is, first of all, you must believe that he's God. Not only that there is a God, but there's only one God. And that he is God. You must believe that he is. Notice, and that he is a rewarder. Of them that diligently seek him. 
He's a rewarder. The idea for diligently seek gives the idea of collecting information, putting it together like a detective would. Goes around with their notepad, collecting information, taking witness statements and, and puts it all together to, to, to get the whole thing uh, made uh, uh, as one, uh, uh, one, one, one big witness. To come to a conclusion, that's the idea of this. We search the scriptures, Genesis to Revelation. We read, we study, we pray, we seek. And he rewards us from that. We, we are believing he's God. And that he sent the son to die for us. And he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him and study him out. For example, in Isaiah 40 and verse 10. In Isaiah 40 and verse 10, it says, Behold, the Lord God will come with a strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. Notice this. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. Now, the, the strong hand and his arm shall rule for him. Is a, is a picture of our Lord Jesus Christ, God coming from heaven to earth and walking this earth in the person of his son, the person of the man of Galilee, Jesus of Nazareth, the man who hung and bled and died on the cross. Very God of very God, man of very man. And notice, that's a strong arm. Why? Because he breaks the chains that binds. He sets the captive free. He's the only one that could pay our debt of sin. He's the only one who was good enough. He's the only one who was pure. He's the only one who was sinless and spotless. He's the only one who was able to save us. And his strong arm, his mighty hand came to save us. Notice, and his reward is with him. And his work, notice, give every man his work. His work goeth before him. So the work of our kinsman redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross, when it's given to us and we labour in his kingdom, then that is the reward of God who came the first time, the Saviour who came. And the same one who died on Calvary, who went to the cross, who rose the third day, who ascended into heaven, is glorified and seated at the right hand of the Father, who is our great high priest, the man in the glory, and who is coming again in power. This same one is coming with reward. For the saints. Isaiah 62 and verse 11. Notice this. Behold thy salvation cometh. Behold his reward is with him. And his work before him. Notice behold thy salvation cometh. The word salvation can be deliverance cometh. Rescue cometh. But the actual Hebrew word, behold thy salvation, the word here for salvation is the word yasha. Behold thy yasha cometh. And if you think that's familiar, that's because it is the, a root word for, the, for, sal, for salvation, but it's the root word for the name Yeshua. Yeshua, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is Yeshua. Behold thy yasha cometh. Here's salvation is personified. Here salvation takes on a form, a shape, a body. Here salvation comes in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation is abstract. It has no material existence or form. It's like art is abstract and everyone can look at it and see something different in it. It's not like a boat and a building or a bridge or, or birds or animals that has been painted. It's nothing like that, but it's all over. And it can be looked at by diff with different eyes and something different is taken from it. Salvation is like that. People say, who have never known Christ, well, what is salvation? Am I saved because I'm good? Am I saved? I might go to church. Am I saved? I'm not a bad person. And the thing is, they're not. It's abstract to them. But we have to then see from the abstract right into the bodily form of salvation comes the Lord Jesus Christ. The Son of God, the eternal word of the Father. Here he comes and he is birthed through the virgin's womb. And here he comes and salvation is personified. Remember that man in the temple said, Lord, now let now thy servant depart in peace, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. And that's when he looked at the beautiful Son of God as a baby, 
the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice here, he says, Behold thy salvation, thy Yasha cometh. Behold his. Not strange, salvation here. His. He personifies it. The Spirit personifies the salvation in Isaiah 61 and 11. Behold thy salvation cometh, thy Yasha cometh. Behold his reward is with him and his work before him. Revelation 22. Maybe it'll make more sense now. Here he is, the, the risen, glorified Christ, speaking to John in the Isle of Patmos. Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. I think it's fantastic that this is the one who's spoken of his reward. What is his reward? His reward is our full redemption. His reward is our whole salvation. And so we find in 2 Corinthians 5 and 10, for we must all appear at the judgment seat of Christ, or we must all appear at the bema seat. And that's where our rewards are. It's a, it's, it gives it the idea of receiving at the games for races that have been won. For, at the games for, for, for battles that have been fought as in boxing matches and wrestling fights and, and so forth. And notice here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It says a wonderful portion of scripture here. And I just want to turn to it. Maybe you, you can turn to it with me. And this is talking about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice what it says. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 51, please. Paul writes, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. That means we'll not all die, but we shall all be changed. That is all of Christ's redeemed sheep. We shall not all die, but we shall all be changed because there'll be some who have died and, uh, and, we, uh, and, and they've been saved. And there's some will be alive at the coming of Christ. So we won't all die, but whether they're dead or alive or in the ground or on, on top of terra firma and alive when he comes, we'll all be changed. Here's our reward, a glorified body. Notice, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment. Notice, we'll be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed for this corruptible must, there's the must, this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. There's more must for us. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? For the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. In other words, the law that was written on the two tables of stone for Israel, the law uh, that we have broken, that's sin. Sin is the transgression of God's law. So we're all sinners. And that's what's brought forth death. Adam sinned in the garden, broke God's law. The codified law in Moses we have broke that law. And then he says in verse 57, But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Why? Because he's coming and his reward is with him. Full redemption, whole salvation. We are changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, we'll stand before our great and wonderful, glorious King, our Saviour, our Redeemer, our Master, our Friend, our One who sticketh closer than a brother. And that's where we'll be as we are the whosoever will who has called upon the name of the Lord and been saved. Revelation 22 and verse 17. The invitation is... Come. So who can come? How does this happen? Well, Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 tells us, So then faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You can come if you're hearing, hearing the word. 
not just with this outer ear, but with the inner ear, the inner man or woman. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So if you have ears to hear, then come. It's not what it says in, in chapter 22 of Revelation and verse 17. The spirit and the bride say, come and let him that heareth come. One that is thirsty can come. Him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will. Whosoever will. Christian, if you're saved, you were a whosoever will. I was a whosoever will. Maybe I'm speaking to someone a whosoever will yet. You can be now. You come to Christ. Notice this, friends. Notice this. Whosoever will means whosoever has the will. Or whosoever desires the will. Now, we're dead in our trespasses and our sins and man is at enmity or is an enemy naturally but to, toward God and we can't will. So listen, let me piece this verse together for you. If you hear, if you're hearing, if you start to feel the thirst, start to realise, I'm not right with God. I'm not saved. This, the second coming of Christ is it, it, it looks like all of this is going on around us. I, I'm realizing there's something that these Christians have been telling us about is, is true. That this word is true. That's a thirst. If you will, or if you desire, then understand this conversion involves. Now listen carefully. Please don't misunderstand me, people. This conversion involves a whosoever will. That means it involves your will. Yet your will's dead to God. Stay with me. It involves the whosoever will, but it's God's grace that changes the will. It's God's Spirit who gives you the will. He turns the unwilling heart and makes it a willing heart. He does not save the soul against their will, but rather he makes the soul of that man or woman willing to be saved. He makes you wanting to be saved, knowing you need to be saved. And he gives you the desire to be saved. In other words, he changes your heart. He's changed our hearts. In Ezekiel chapter 36 and in verse 26, listen to what the Lord said through the prophet. A new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh in other words what he's saying here the obstinate heart the hardened heart the stony heart the unbelieving heart the dead heart I'll take it and I'll change it for a living heart a beating heart a real heart a heart after me. That's the idea. He makes you a whosoever will. You know this is not only here that this is written. But really this happens at the cross. Jeremiah 31 and verse 31. The Lord mentions these things. The Lord says. Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 31. Behold the days come saith the Lord. That I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers. In the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of God. Which my covenant they break. Although I was an husband unto them saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days saith the Lord. I will put my law. Ready? I will put my law in their inward parts. And write it in their hearts, and will be their God, and they shall be.
empty. You've got a thirst. It's a new heart. It's a new spirit. Knowing that you're not saved. Knowing that you're a sinner in need of a saviour. And whom we're speaking about tonight is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is your only saviour. Believer, I don't know about you, but when I think about these things, it rejoices me. I worship in my spirit. I thank God that I'm saved. I thank God and I praise him for his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank God that he paid my debt, that I was this lawbreaker, a sinner, and yet he wakened me, he quickened me, he regenerated me, and he showed me myself and my sin, but he showed me the Lamb of God. Isn't he wonderful? Isn't he beautiful? Isn't he mighty? But Calvary wasn't an afterthought. Calvary was already happened in, in, in eternity. Before there was a sinner in our father Adam. Before there was a sinner on the earth, there was a saviour in heaven. And notice this in verse 8. For finding fault with them, he saith, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant, I regarded them not, saith the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write them in their hearts. And I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. It's also in Hebrews chapter 10 again. So here God says you're a sinner, a lawbreaker and you're going to find out you're a whosoever will. Whosoever will. He changes the will. He doesn't save us against our will. He makes us willing to be saved. The goodness of God leads us to repentance. How good is he that he bled and died in Calvary's tree for us. Wonderful, wonderful saviour. God regenerates the sinner's heart, his spirit. The new heart is the transformation of the man and the woman. This is the spirit's work on our spirit. And he animates one's personality and conduct. It results in the former dying and the new living creature being created and formed. We arise new in Christ. Notice 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17 says, Now therefore if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. What was old about me? my sinful nature what was old about me my transgressions and my iniquities my law breaking as it were my old nature that i still have the old nature that you're still living in all things have passed away all things have become new in christ and men and women outside of christ are still in the old nature still in the old law still in the old law breaking the transgressors of the law which is sin and the, you find that that's who you are friend if god is showing you it then he's saying come the, the invitation is whosoever will may come it's still not too late for you must come to christ on earth before christ comes on earth again or before you would pass the scene of time and stand before christ on that day god takes a heart that was lifeless hard obstinate against him and makes it living and makes it a heart of flesh so revelation 22 verse 17 and the spirit and the bride say come and let him that heareth say come and let him that is a thirst come and whosoever will let him take of the water of life freely want to look at the whosoever a couple of whosoever's there's many more i've just picked a few there's whosoever's also for the believer in service there's those who, whosoever uh, will deny me before god 
before men, I'll deny them before God. There's a whosoever of, of whosoever will not take up his cross and follow me. You're not fit and worthy for the kingdom. In John chapter 3, verses 14 to 17, we mentioned John chapter 3 earlier, but I just want to read a few verses as we're running into, just to throw out a few verses to you as we run into a close on our message tonight. John's Gospel, chapter 3. It's probably one of the most well-known uh, chapters in the whole of Holy Writ. John chapter 3, please, and let's read from verse 14. The Lord Jesus says, And as the Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Uh, and we find here that in Numbers chapter 21, the Israelites were bitten by snakes, and the poison here is representing sin, and they were dying with the serpent's poison. And the old serpent that uh, poisoned the sin that's in us, we're dying. People are dying in their sin. And the Lord Jesus says, as Moses lifted up the serpent, he was to make a, a serpent of brass, put it on a pole, lift it up and walk through the camp of Israel. And all who would look in faith and believe that that was enough to heal them off the serpent's poison, they would live. And so he says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Talking about Calvary, that we look in faith. We look by faith at the blood of Jesus, the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ, his work, his doing and his dying on the cross is enough for our redemption. Nothing to be added is enough. He has paid it all in its entirety, fully, solely, wholly, only, utterly and uniquely has Christ done it. We look at him and that serpent's bite, as it were, of sin in our life. We are saved from it. Notice verse 15. Here's whosoever. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Notice this. Pardon me, eternal life. For, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not a son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So we're under condemnation. People are all under condemnation outside of Christ because they're sinners, broken God's law, aggressors. And the thing is, we've got the serpent's bite of poison. We've got that old serpent called the devil and Satan who, uh, he, he, he plies the mind and the heart and, and, and that's in the, the hearts of all men and women. It doesn't mean to say they're, they're, they're the worst of the worst. It's just in our natural, uh, it's in our natural thinking. It comes from our, the fall of Adam which brought forth death in the garden. And now here we find that in this that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. In verse 15, and whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life in verse 16. Because God didn't come or send his son to condemn you but to save you. And if he sent him to save you then there's no other saviour. If he sent him to save you there's no other way to be saved. And if he sent him or since he sent him to save you then it's only through him can you be saved. And here's another thing. If since he sent him to save then it means we're lost, we need saved. I'll say it again, since he sent him to be saved, we're lost and we need saved. Eternal salvation from, et from eternal ruin or perishing requires faith in Christ, requires faith in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and the finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ that he has paid the fullness of our debt. John chapter 12 and verse 46 the Lord Jesus says, I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me shall not abide in darkness. Darkness of mind, darkness of heart, dark world without the light of Christ. If it wasn't for God's word, if it wasn't for Jesus in the world that came in and to die for us, we'd be in complete darkness. And men and women are in darkness. Friend, you might say, well, if my light's on, you may say on a sunny day, it's not dark today. Spiritual darkness. Darkness of death. Condemnation looms over you. The wrath of God abides on you. 
darkness all around you. And Christ came into the world. He came into the world that you would not abide in darkness. Here's another one, Acts 2, verse 21. And shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever shall call on him shall be saved. Here's another one, Acts 10 and 43. It says of the Lord Jesus, To him give all the prophets witness, that through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. If you believe in him, more than just, Ah, I believe, all right. No, this is a regenerate heart belief, a thirst, a need, a knowledge, a want, a desire, a heart running after the water brooks. So you run after Christ, as it were. You know what you find? When you get there, it's him who's drawn you all along. Revelation 20 and verse 15 speaks of the great white throne judgment. Sad place, terrible place, terrifying place. The beast and the dragon, the false prophet are thrown in there. That's, that's a horrible place. And all the dead will stand before. This is not the, the bema or the judgment seat we spoke of. This is the great white throne judgment for the unbeliever. And notice what it says. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life cast into the lake of fire don't be one of those those whosoever's whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire don't be a whosoever that sort of whosoever but whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved I finish with our reading thank you for listening to me this evening thank you for coming on Revelation 22 verse 17 and the spirit and the bride say come and let him that heareth say come and let him that is a thirst come and whosoever will let him come let him take of the water of life freely listen friend whosoever loveth and maketh a lies outside don't be one of those, those whosoever so they're Christ rejectors but whosoever will let him take of the water of life freely Will you come to Christ before Christ comes to earth or before Christ calls you to him that you'll stand before him? So we finish with the final prayer of the Bible. Not only the book of Revelation, of the Bible. Verse 20. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. And here's the prayer, even so, come, Lord Jesus. I pray he comes, but I pray you come to him first. pray you come to him first. Verse 21 says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. That's my prayer for you. Amen. May God bless you tonight. May God keep you. May God strengthen you. May God speak to you. May he bring conviction to you. May you know this wonderful Christ as your Saviour. And we give him the glory, for he alone is worthy. Let us bow in a word of prayer. Eternal Father, we thank you for the blood of the Lamb, the blood of your Son. We thank you, Father, that we're forgiven. We thank you we're redeemed. We thank you, Lord, that you've made a new covenant. You've made it with us, Lord, and under that covenant, Lord. Lord, your body was broken, your blood was shed. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you took our sin and shame. Thank you, Lord, you went all the way to Calvary. And Lord, alone there on Calvary's tree, you hung and bled and died for me, for us. Father, would you speak to hearts and would you prepare men and women to prepare them for the kingdom of God as at hand. We ask you, Father, that you would prepare them in the spirit, that you'd save souls and restore the backslider. Lord, that you'd welcome them home, cause them to come up, pick themselves up and come to thee. We pray, Father, that you'd bless our nation, you'd cover this people. We pray, O oh God, that you would turn it again toward you. And Lord, in the face of all of this 
that's going on in our nation. We pray for everyone who labours and works on the frontline services. Yes, Lord, from the nursing homes right through, Lord, to the hospitals, to those who are working in the scenes making those things, Lord, that are needed for supplies, we pray you bless them. You're keeping, as it were, the wheels of our nation turning in commerce. Will you encourage them? Will you bless them? Keep them safe. And pray, Father, for our own assembly in Christ Encounters Tabernacle and all our family there, Lord. We pray, Lord, for your hand to be with them for good, for blessing, for health and strength. And Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would lift this virus, Lord, you'd cast it from the earth. And Lord, that you would have us to worship you again in gratitude. Thanksgiving, for your loving kindness is better than life. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, everyone.